This episode of the Adventure Jogger Podcast brought to you by Dave Meath, Joseph Meyer, Matthew Queer, William Jara, Steve Hendry, all of our Patreon supporters, and of course you, you the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Steven, your good friend, Matt Benefield, described you this way. This is good. This is a great way to start off a podcast because Matt reached out to me and says, you have to have Steven on because he is someone who has patiently helped many train for, for their races. Like you are somebody who found ultra running, saw the joy in it, and then decided to spread that joy to others. Now, some may hate you because of that, but others <laughs> appreciate how you've brought them into the fold. So that's a very nice thing for someone to say about you. <laughs> too nice, too nice. I'm sure all the spouses of anyone I've helped get into this are not happy. <laughs> <laughs> right. They curse you. Man, our marriage was going yes. so fine until you it gotten involved <laughs> with that Stephen Bagley guy. Once you met that Bagley, right? it was all over. Um, Stephen, before we get into, you know helping others and being a resource for others your story how did you discover the world of trail and ultra running oh man um so i started running in 2012 i believe uh training for for 5k's you know on the yeah. road and everything i had a friend who was uh going through chemo um with breast cancer and she told me that she was going to run a 5k you know in support of a, a breast cancer charity and that i was too um i was just told you're going to do this <laughs> um so it's like okay sure and we all trained her her whole family um we trained together and and ran the 5k and then I think it was the next week or the week after they said, Hey, let's do another one. So we, you know, did another. And then you know how it, the, the dopamine cycle where you want a 10 K another five K a half marathon, a marathon, um, run into some friends here in, in the town where I live in, in, uh, Alabama who uh, were into the marathon thing already got going with that. And then they kind of dumped me in the woods one day. Uh, we got done running a, a trail run <laughs> and, uh, they said, you need to know these people. So they, I think we run trying to remember if it was a marathon. It was a 10 K we'd run the Vulcan 10 K in Birmingham. And it's the same day as the Pinhody 100 every year. Yeah. So they said, we're going to go run this aid station for this hundred mile race, which I had no idea existed at the time, obviously. You're just into this game something? because your friend is like, guess what? You're doing a 5K whether you like it or not. We're running for charity and you got hooked. And next thing you know, you get mixed up with this bad group of folks and you're you're like, eight station, 100 miles. What is going on here? Yes. I had no idea that that was a thing. I'd never heard of it. Um, I grew up not running much. The only running I did growing up was for uh, training for like dirt bike races mm -hmm. and things like that. And I hated it. So... <laughs> We get to the Pinhody 100 and we're working the uh, Bald Rock Aid Station. That They don't have that aid station anymore up there at the top, you know, like mile 42. People just climbed to the highest point in Alabama. Yes. And I see this 
uh, just all these people come through that have done 42 miles and look great, you know? And I go, that's, that's crazy. So then it plants the seed and you, you know, move on from there. You have to end up doing 50 K's and and fifties and hundreds and whatnot. (laughs) You know, and two that aid station. And as a person who has run Pinhoti and a person who's crewed Pinhoti more times than I care, I think I've run, I've only officially like run Pinhoti once I have one buckle, but I have cumulative miles on the Pinhoti course to really be about two or three, uh, complete, uh, (laughs) Pinhotis just due to pacing and whatnot. I mean, there's times when, I've gone out there expecting to pace 15 miles and I'm 45 miles in and I'm like, okay, well, that was a longer day than I planned. Um, But the Bald Rock Aid Station is a really great place to be because you're right. This is the first major climb of this race. You know, the first... 40 miles of Pinhoti is a lot of meandering around and you're hitting some beautiful Jeep roads and you know, he's getting used to that beautiful area in Alabama. And then all of a sudden that hill hit that, that (laughs) you're, you find yourself climbing to the tallest spot in the state of Alabama. And so you get, you get to the top and it's, 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 a, it's far more intimidating than your mind. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm there. Oh, cause you hear the people off in the distance of the aid station. Yeah. And so you're walking, you're running down that, that, uh, that, that decking. It's that paved, it's that, it's that decked walkway, which has some give yes. to it. Uh. And then all of a sudden you roll in, <laughs> there's your crew. There's a beautiful aid station. Well, there was you're seeing people yeah, used to be oh yeah um but you got to see people in moments of joy you know early on in the race you'd see some folks that were like this is great i'm doing exactly what i want to do oh my here's my crew i can pick up a pacer this is great and as the day goes on you saw people that were like oh crap well, you really got to yeah. see. That's the perfect like aid station <laughs> to be at for your first one, seeing oh, the joy and the misery. <laughs> I saw someone cut. I, I don't think I'd ever even seen Hoka's. Uh, I didn't know that they existed because they didn't have the presence that they do now. Yeah. Um, and I saw someone take a, a brand new pair of Hoka's and cut the toes out. <laughs> <laughs> Because their feet were just blown up already at mile 42, and they just cut the whole fronts of them off. They had Hoka sandals for the rest of the race. (laughs) (laughs) And you, a person who ran charity 10Ks, would never imagine in a million years cutting the front out of your $135 shoes (laughs) to make it another 59 miles or 58 miles into this race. That must have been just the most eye-opening experience into a crazy world of running that you would never have imagined in a million years oh for sure for sure and I, I'm, I'm so grateful to the people who did that to me <laughs> so we don't we just ran the 10k and we don't get to go home now <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right you're right and i'm sure as you're driving to this aid station you have an idea of what you're going to be doing but then you get there and the reality yeah. is it is absolutely nothing like you'd ever thought in a million years. Not at all. Like. People, people like grabbing the, into the tub of Vaseline. Um. <laughs> that, that's the biggest shock. The communal, the communal tub of Vaseline will shock anybody. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> I love seeing like new crew parents, you know, that, that have never come to a race before crewing their, you know, their, 
you know, adult child usually, and it's just seeing that happen around them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, you know what? It's so funny you say that, Stephen, because, you know, now we're we're getting into the world of ultra running being filmed. Right. And so right. they have a live stream of the Western States 100. They have live streams of the Coca Dona 250. Who wants to watch seven days of people running? <laughs> I don't know. But what they really need to do is they need to have the communal lube cam where just hook oh, up. No, no, no. Just hook up a GoPro to the communal lube and hopefully you get shots of the desperate people dipping their fingers in there but also the reaction of 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 the spouses and the crew parents that are like my god you just dipped your fingers into something (laughs) that 50 other people have dipped their fingers into mere moments ago just the look alone And then 30 seconds later, grabbing for the, uh, the m and <laughs> That is must-see TV right there. So, Jamil, Dylan, if you're listening, and I doubt you are, that's the cam that we all need to see. This is going to be bigger than the kiss cam at basketball games. Those highlights need to be on Sports Center. <laughs> Man, are we off the rails this far already? I know. We're not eight <laughs> minutes in, we're already going off the rails on that. So, okay, so Pinhody, a great race, by the way. If, you, if you're listening to this podcast and you've not done Pinhody, um, Pinhody may be the best 100-miler in the South as far as the course is beautiful. It's well-marked. It's well aided. I mean, you got 17 aid stations um, on Pinhoti. The course involves a whole lot of terrain. It's point to point. You never see the same thing twice. It's yep. it's dialed in. The buckle's beautiful. It is it is absolutely 100% dialed in. It's a race you do, and you have you have no concerns about you know is there going to be water at this aid station or whatever. It is so wonderful, and it needs to be on everybody's bucket list because it is so good. So. You do that. You, you your friends drag you to that, and you miss out on all that yeah. time with your family because you've got to got to take care of people whose feet are falling apart, and they're cutting up perfectly good hokas and and putting Vaseline covered M and M's in their mouth, which is all always fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's fuel, you know, it's all it's all fuel, right? Exactly, right. Um, it helps it go down quicker. Exactly. For you, at Pinhoti, was there a moment when? you got over the initial shock where you were like, okay, this is something I need to be a part of. I don't think it was there. I I, I do think that just the end of the day, wrapping up after Mm -hmm. seeing these people um, work the aid station Mm -hmm. for hours and hours on end, you know, and it's, it's late at night by the time they finally pack up. Um, Just, I don't know the, the community of it all. Uh, I yeah. wanted to be a part of that. I did not want to run a hundred miles. I know that, <laughs> but, but I wanted to be a part of that community. I think that's what really got me. It was like, these are my people. <laughs> did you ask your friends, like, is there anything less than this? Do I have to go from marathon? Yes. Yes. Um, and, and so, you know, Pinhoti's in November, our first weekend in November every year and Mount Sheeha that the Hendersons also put on yes. the Pinhoti trail series is, uh, in, uh, February, mm-hmm. early February. Yeah. So, they said, yeah, we're having the 50K 
and I was still reluctant because I hadn't finished a marathon yet. So I was like, I'm not going to go in the woods and run that far. Um, but my friend did. So, <laughs> so I was there for that one mm-hmm. and it's, you know, snowballed from there. Okay. Then you start watching, watching him finish made me want a 50 K finish at that point. Yeah. And I think it's so funny because we get wrapped around the distance of 50 K you know, and, and you're thinking like, okay, it's 31 miles, which sounds like a massive amount of miles to run at one time. And I yeah. think you, you really don't realize, especially when you make the transition to road. And I see so many people on like the Trail and Ultra Runners Facebook pages and East Coast Trail and Ultra Facebook page and all of the millions of other Facebook pages that really overestimate how many miles they need to do to complete a 50K. And I've always said, if, sure. if you could run a half marathon, you can run a 50K. You just got to start 100%. slow and you got to realize that the 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 one you know, birthday cake goo that you have stuck in your shorts is not going to get you to the finish line <laughs> in good shape. It'll get you. I mean, you, you'll eventually get there, uh, but it's yeah. not the kind of it's like if you can figure out, dial in that eating while running, if you can go 13.1 miles, it sounds crazy. You can go 31 miles. You just have to figure oh, yeah. out the, the eating part, right? Yes. Eating. And, and I, I think that the middle game is more than anything. Um, you can, you can will yourself there no matter what. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So you, at some point get it, you know, you get comfortable that you do a full, a full marathon. How'd your first marathon go? Awful. Absolutely <laughs> awful. <laughs> I've never had a good road marathon to date, and I probably won't ever do another one again. Um, I what was the first one? The first one was uh, Rocket City Marathon uh-huh. in Huntsville. Yeah, and you know, middle of the winter, we've been training in like twenty and thirty degree weather. It's almost eighty degrees the whole race, <laughs> full sun. <laughs> that is the, like the whole time. No, it's so funny because there are races that you know. And it happens in the South because there is this, this unlike it, it, it could happen. It's a crapshoot. Anything outside <laughs> of January is a crapshoot. Yes. You could be, it could be February 21st, right? Towards the end of February, you get a freak 80 degree day. And yeah. there's, you've had no chance to acclimate at all to the heat. You've been running in 20 <laughs> degrees. You've been running, you know, uh, not, not sweating a drop. Right. And then, yeah. yeah, you show up for Rocket City and they're like, oh, man, it's freak weather. It's 81 degrees and no Just one's heat acclimated. Oh, <laughs> it is so hard. And I am sure, too, that having that moment of of the crapshoot <laughs> spring uh, southern race, yeah. you're like, my God, why did I sign up for this? Exactly. For a stupid medal. <laughs> you don't even get a buckle <laughs> a medal and a t-shirt for crying out loud i yeah. get a t-shirt that doesn't quite fit that i can't wear much much anywhere and then this medal <laughs> where where am i going to put this thing where am i i don't have a, why do i want a drawer full of things that i don't know what to do with yes <laughs> they just accumulate i love races that do like hats and mugs and things that aren't t-shirts Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like now a lot of uh, race companies are doing like the T-shirt is extra, and I'm like, thank yeah. you because I don't yes. know what to do with this thing. I don't have a job where I can wear them to work. Um, right, you know, you can only have so much. Like when you're you see your drawer is overflowing with race shirts and shorts 
and socks <laughs> and all that fun stuff. You're like, I don't even know what to do with the next one. Right. <laughs> so marathon goes horribly. You are right. questioning your life choices. Yeah. First 50K, did you go straight from marathon to 50K? Yes. Um, went to the 50K pretty soon after. Mm-hmm. And the 50K didn't go much better, <laughs> but I loved it. Oh, uh, just just being in the woods was so much better. It was, it was the nutrition. I, I had no idea what I was doing with nutrition. And yeah. Got, I really ran most of it. I was probably to 28 miles before anything really went south. But those last few miles were so bad, just, you know, staggering through the woods. I think I took a nap at some point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> With two miles to go, you're like, I got two miles. Yeah. I'm going to drop a nap in here. Yep. <laughs> just could, it was w- way out of water and it was a hotter day. So I don't do well in the heat. Um, if you if you haven't noticed that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Here. I'm a, I am the worst heat runner. Like I, oh, it's hot. <laughs> it's over, baby. I'll train all through the summer. Same. I love to train all and, and, yeah. and I punish myself through the summer to race and fall where it's like, okay, if I can get in shape in summer, you know, and I try to balance it out like, cause you, you got the bad end of, of a Southern surprise, right? Like you train through cold weather, yeah. all of a sudden hot weather kicks in. I like to I like to plan it where I get a good southern fall surprise where it's I've been training through 80 and 90 degree weather and then my race is the first cold weekend where it's like oh it's 60 degrees and cloudy oh, yeah. and at night it's going to be 30 and that's like perfect cuz you feel like you feel invincible like you can fly Exactly so hopefully that's this year. That'll be this year for me. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> right. If you, if you start finding out that every race you run, Stephen, is the hottest year of the race, well, then we know it's you. Yeah, I think it is at this point. I'm starting to be barred from all the races. Different race directors would kick me out. People are looking at an ultra sign up going, oh, crap, Bagley signed up. It's going to be the hottest year of this race. I'm out. Yeah, um, Exactly. What was it? You, you, you talk a little bit about the community and being in the woods. Was that really what yeah. it was? It was the, the the difference in the the people surrounding the races between that road marathon and the Trail 50K that really made you go, okay, I, I found where I belong? For sure. For sure. On the road, you know, I was running with some, um, you know, road running groups, some clubs, yeah. not to call anybody out. And it's some great people. Really right. enjoy the training with it but it was just a different atmosphere it was super competitive i'm not that competitive it's you know it's in there a little bit but i just didn't care and it just wasn't that fun they were all you'd show up you do the run you go home no hanging out they didn't drink beer after their runs (laughs) i don't understand (laughs) so yeah uh then you go you know to the the trail and you're hanging out at the trailhead for an hour or two after every run. And it's, it's just a, a tighter knit group mm-hmm. that, that I fell into for that. And I guess that's just my situation dependent where I happen to be, but yeah. And some I, really great people. You sit around the trailhead and someone brings out a cooler of either it's either really cheap beer or it's some brewery you've never heard of like really fancy schmancy, yes. 
like an IPA that you've <laughs> never seen at a grocery store. You have no idea where this exactly. person got this IPA. I, I got back from a race and I opened my cooler and I noticed that people had put drinks in my cooler and I go, I don't even know where to get this. I've never That's even awesome. heard of this beer. I'm going to go ahead and enjoy it. But I have no idea. If I like this, I have no idea where to buy this because I've never heard of it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that guy in our group is Ben. He <laughs> <laughs> He's the beer guy. <laughs> Yes. Oh my God. He is he is a connoisseur. <laughs> what even is this? Like where am I supposed to find this? Well what's going on here? Um the community makes you wanna suffer some more. You have sure. a miserable last two miles of your first fifty K, where twenty nine miles was great. Them last two, I gotta take a nap. I'm gonna stagger in and I gotta take a nap. Probably the longest two miles of your life. Oh yeah. Yes. Definitely close, close to about 20 minute miles the whole time getting, you know, those last few and just stagger in. But I think it made me want to do it better next time. Mm -hmm. It really just, oh, let's do it again. Right. Let's, let's do that again. The next time, did you put the nutrition together? Did you kind of realize quickly after that? Okay, I, 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 I don't know how to eat during these things. For sure. For sure. Um, and I'm still, I mean, everybody's constantly experimenting, but it was it was just not putting near enough calories in at the time the next race was uh, probably 45 minutes faster at least if not more than that and then just so much easier <laughs> when you're fueled correctly oh absolutely and and you don't realize it either and i think it's it's because there's a massive difference in the way people eat at ultras during a race versus you know a half marathon a marathon you can run a marathon on you know, sipping Gatorade every yeah. two miles and taking a goo every six. You can really kind of do that. But when you throw in, all of a sudden you've got a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. You know, where thousands it's not, of feet of climbing. Exactly. And you realize that you have to eat so much more than you think. Like for me, the magic number is like around 250 to 300 calories an hour. Same. Which, which, yeah, which you, you try to you try to supplement things with, you know, you, you got your favorite sports drink, whatever that is, and there's a million different yeah. versions now. But I mean, it's it's you have to experiment, and you finally Always. figure out that magic number of 250 to 300 calories, and all of a sudden you're realizing, okay, this is how I'm able. You're able to go <laughs> farther uh, and, and make it work, and it kind of changes the game for you. Oh yeah. And I saw some jumps there um, from the first, because I think my, my first 50K was in 2015. Mm -hmm. And then I ran, I think I only ran that one that year. And then by 2017, I was doing five or six a year, you know, and I was seeing these big jumps in, all right, I could do it eight hours or eight and a half hours the first time down to six hours and sub six hours, you know, and I'm not fast. I'm definitely back in the pack or middle of the pack most of the time, but it just figuring out the nutrition took me from eight hours to sub six, which is just still, quick. it's a great time for a 50 K to, to go, to go sub six, especially when you're talking about 50 Ks with, with climb involved. That's not something to yeah. be like, Oh, you know, be ashamed of like, Hey Ryan, could you edit that out of the podcast? I don't want anybody knowing <laughs> that that's my, my PR. Well, I don't want anybody to think I'm anything special because I'm not that fast. <laughs> well, no, but here's the, here's the thing. And, and I, I, I approach the podcast this way. I think every runner has a story, and I think they do. And I think we all have a unique contribution that we 
bring, whether we we bring this contribution to uh, our local community or whatever, we all have something that we bring to this incredible community of ultra runners. Um, and for you, it seems to be at some point you were brought in by a group of people and then you decided, okay, I need to bring people into this sport. <laughs> Do you remember that moment yes. when you were like, okay, I need to be the apostle of the dirt. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> I remember running the, uh, there were a bunch of the Xterra races. Yeah. And I would bring all my Roadrunner friends. You have to sign up for this. We have to do this one. It's not that steep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was always a lie. I learned, <laughs> I learned that you have to lie. You're supposed to lie about the distance. You're supposed to lie about the climbing. <laughs> there's never right never trust anybody when you ask them about climbing you learn that real quick like oh there's yeah. a couple here's like three hills they're not that bad one is yeah. that you know the, gently rolling hills exactly the middle hill is probably <laughs> the hardest and it's really not that bad at all and then you're like oh my <laughs> god that person was full of crap <laughs> yeah david tosh <laughs> <laughs> former guest of this podcast by the way yeah. he didn't oh, mention goodness. that he was a liar about distance he didn't no he didn't he left that completely out that he was oh my goodness a liar about that stuff the the second year that they did the blood rock races and they had the 50k on a separate day than the 100 miler yeah i ran the 50k and i remember getting to 32 miles and looking up you know my watch had hit 32 (laughs) and it always read short right um and so i knew i was well over 32 and i I knew that i still had three miles to get back to the trailhead (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, and I sat there going, David, he did it to me again. <laughs> More like 35 miles. <laughs> yes, it was. It was a 35-mile 50K. <laughs> Isn't it funny? And, and you get to the line, he goes, ah, it's a little long. <laughs> right, right, a little long. Five miles is not a little long. Isn't it funny, though, that if you run a short course, you always say to yourself, like, oh, I think my watch was off. Like if you finish yes. a fifty k and it's twenty nine point five, it's never like, well, that was a short course. You're always like, man, my watch must have lost signal somewhere. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> we can justify anything. <laughs> exactly. When it's over, it's the RD's fault because there's a long course. When it's shorter, it's your watch's <laughs> fault for for missing the signal uh, somewhere for along sure. along those lines. Um, for for you, how far into this thing did you get? before you felt like you could really share some wisdom with other runners as far as like training and nutrition? I'll let you know when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no idea on that. I, I just know when I see people uh, making the mistakes that I've already made or, or puking for reasons I already have, <laughs> I, I try to help, but but I don't like to be the guy that, that uh, is in the gym giving the uh, unsolicited work advice. Well, generally, this is only given to women. Let me tell you, the guys, the uh-huh. guys that want to give workout advice, they give it to guys that they yeah. know they can beat up in a fight, and they give it to women they want to impress, <laughs> and it never seems to work out. I, I don't know of any marriages, and I may be wrong, that resulted in unsolicited gym advice. If you're doing that machine, wrong. <laughs> hey, let me show you how to do these hack squats correctly. Like no marriage. Exactly comes out of that i felt like a lot of the the people that i ran with when i was really getting into the the longer distances we were all kind of learning it together mm-hmm. you know a few of us like there were a few of my friends that had done a 50k 
a year or maybe two years before I did. And then we were all just kind of learning it together. And then we would bring one and two at a time in, you yeah. know, behind us. So it's, it's just kind of like going through school, you know, you got yeah. the graduating class of this year. No, so I, I guess it was always like that. That's such a good point. Can you think about when you have a group like figuring this out together or kind of in the same point in their ultra life is somebody will try something that works right and then you can try you can learn from people's successes and failures now not everything works for everybody but when you've got like six or seven guys and gals and it's like, well, have you tried this thing yet? And they usually will give you one. Like, here's a yeah. here's a fancy gel. Now, I've 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 been on both sides of that. I remember when I got my first um, Spring Energy Speed Nut from Carrie Long, and oh, I was like, yes, I was like, oh god, what is this? And you read the ingredients, and you're like, oh my god, like how do they sell these? Is this is this given away for free? Like, why would anyone <laughs> eat this? And then you just you eat it, and you're like. Oh well, I was not expecting that to be good, and it right. and it works with your system, and you're like, oh, well, this is this is kind of a secret surprise, and I've been on the other end of that with a sports drink, which I will not mention that someone was raving about, and I nearly crapped my pants. It was like I can't <laughs> get happens. to the bathroom fast enough because this is just not agreeing with my system at right. all. And you learn a those certain things. brand of gels that involve chia seeds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, where somebody, I mean, obviously they're still in business, you know, they're oh, yeah. for years. And I know people that it works for. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They're generally weirdos. I found that the, the, the <laughs> I found that the, the, the chia seed gels work uh, better for people that wear sandals when they run. Like there seems to be a high correlation. Oh, like if you're rocking sandals during your run, you are going to love a gel with chia seeds in it. I think you've got that. That's nailed. Yeah. That's <laughs> a stereotype. I've, I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell the you right barefoot, All the barefoot guys, <laughs> they, they probably have a good bit of facial hair. Exactly. Exactly. They, they weigh 100, 105 pounds. Uh-huh. And they got them sandals <laughs> on. You're like, I know there's Huma gels in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I don't see those guys for very long in a race. Usually they're usually quite a ways in front of me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then you try to justify like, well, you know, I've got a job and I, I'm sure they're probably a professional yeah. runner or something. And I, I got things I got to do. I got time to train like that person yeah. this time. You know, I don't have those excuses. I have a job, but I've kind of set up everything to do whatever I want. I live in a tiny house. I do uh, music lessons and photography and just, freelance everything so i have no uh no excuses for not training <laughs> wait a minute so you've you've done what we've all dreamed of doing like we all talk about <laughs> it right like we all talk about man i'd love to live in a tiny house and you watch those oh, yeah. shows on on tlc where or whatever home and garden are like we're gonna make somebody a pimpy tiny house and then they never do updates on that show because you know the people that have moved into the tiny house hate each other and they want they want out oh for for sure. But you actually did this. You moved into a tiny house and you support yourself by giving music lessons and doing photography. Yeah. Wow. It's so great. So fun. <laughs> okay. So I have to ask, Stephen, how did you finally do what we all dream of doing? What pushed you off the ledge when so many of us are saying like, oh, I don't know if I want to be that close to anybody else or to move away from the security of that corporate nine to five 
to I, I hate I hate the nine to five. <laughs> I yeah. just hate it so much. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Uh I try I've done quite a few different things and I just I love music. I like doing what I want to do. And I, I I've always been into building things. So I, I built the tiny house myself. That that helped a lot because then it was dirt cheap to get into and then i was able to just transition to that and not not have to take as many gigs as i was before are you in the tiny house right now am i talking to you in the tiny house no i'm actually at the music store i work at right now oh okay <laughs> okay very good i see a lot of guitars i'm like you, you tiny house can't have a whole lot of guitars in the tiny house no. that is that is so cool do you think you would have done this you know changed your life completely and Ben, and by the way, you can't see folks because, well, you can if you've seen certain video clips, but I can tell you right now, I don't think Steven smells like weed and he doesn't have long hair. So that's, that's the truth. I used to. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I did have hair. <laughs> you did have long hair at some point? Oh, yeah. Okay. I just cut it off a couple years ago. Oh, when okay. The pandemic started and I couldn't get a haircut, you know, that you only want what you can't have. Right. <laughs> I, ha- I hadn't had a haircut in like four years, but as soon as I couldn't get one, I, I had to cut it all off. <laughs> That's so funny. But do you think, had you not discovered the world of ultra running, that you would have been able to be brave enough to make these changes in your life? Not a bit. I would never have done it. Really? Um, because I, I didn't have any focus like that. I didn't have anything I was that interested in other than music and the training gave me something to to push forward to. Wow. That's amazing. Like you you can honestly say that trail running changed your life. Oh, hugely. Yeah. And and not just in that. I mean, you know the the mental aspect of that. It's you, for for anxiety and depression, it's such, you know, a game changer. Were you were you an unhappy person beforehand uh, before running i mean we all have issues but yeah 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 <laughs> yeah a lot a lot of a lot of things stuck in there that only really i was able to work through through running that's Found a, a much better place yeah you know it's funny that you say that because i know I, and i I've, we've talked about this before and i've had a lot of guests that have used running to work through issues that they've been dealing with and I always preface this by saying, listen, sometimes running's not enough, you know? Right. And, and nothing grinds my gears more than people posting like, oh, you're depressed, go buy a pair of running shoes. That can work with some people. And it, it worked for me. Um, I know that I'm a better person now because of the trail and all training community and, and running in general. Um, but some people need more and never be ashamed to 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 need more if it's if it's 100 right it, it, sometimes the the running is the cure to what's ailing you sometimes yeah. it's part of the cure yeah. that's ailing you it's it's a part of the treatment plan but it's not the entire treatment plan exactly exactly for me yeah. and I, I mean you, you you can just leave me hanging on this but i thought you know you're the first guest to kind of get into this area for me and this was maybe a year ago, you know, I've been using running and I, I find that I'm much happier at running, but you spend all this time alone in your head, right? And you're doing these, it's you, you run sometimes <laughs> with other people, right? Steven, I'm sure you have a groups that you run with from time to time, but there's a lot of time that you spend by yourself, right? 
and yeah. you're you're and you're just you're forced to think things and you're forced to confront <laughs> things and you're forced to analyze things and for me the biggest breakthrough in my mental health came on a run and it's funny how it hits you right like 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 you, you you're you so you're with you all the time like you don't really yeah. ever and for some reason running sometimes will will give you an opportunity to take a bird's eye view of your life right and i remember yeah. I, was, I was on a long run and it hit me like a like a lightning bolt like you know what i have never liked myself ever mm-hmm. and i have been trying to use people's approval as a replacement for loving myself like thinking like if enough people like me then i don't need to like myself because i will have the all the like and love that i need from other people and it made me someone who was a a people pleaser who wanted everybody to like me and so you know i I wasn't happy because i found that no matter how many people quote unquote like me it didn't make me right didn't make me feel any better about myself why was i running the races that i was running oh wow if i run if i run this hundred miler and have this buckle people think i'm cool and like me like that was the whole motivation for everything and i went you know what i think i need to take some time and figure out how to love myself oh so so true did you have was that kind of a was that something you were dealing with too oh for sure yes and and going back to the great community that I've, I've, I've been so lucky to have and fall into is that I had the, the best people to have helped me through all that were yeah. the pe- people I knew on the trail. Um, yeah. But, but a hundred percent. Cause I, I, yeah, people pleasing. I've always done everything, anything I get into, I have to be as involved as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. You know, you always end up in some kind of uh, like, like role or on a board of something or, <laughs> The one that's volunteering forever, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do that aid station for, you know, 72 hours straight. That's fine. Right. (laughs) Right. Cause you want Um, people to like you. Yeah. And to an extent that works, you know, because it, it does make people, they know you and they're appreciative that you help them at an aid station, but it doesn't change who you are and, and who you are when you're in the tiny house without everyone. <laughs> right, right, right. When you're, when you're stuck looking at those four walls and you can easily look at them because they're right next to you. <laughs> exactly. There's a, a lot of time on oh. that. But you know what was great was the transition from hating myself and thinking that other people's approval would fill that void. You're right. It was that group of people that indirectly a lot of times because you know you you bring things up when you're running with people and and, and my running buddies oh, yeah. they know things about me that no one else knows maybe my wife um you know uh, i've had running buddies that have helped me get over a massive amount of guilt over a family member's passing that i felt that i had way more responsibility for than i ever did and it was just with this this snide little comment that was so funny and so so it just summed everything up perfectly. And I'm like, see, this is why I love my running buddies. Cause they just, mm. they just give me reality right there. But it was through ultra running that I, I found like, okay, I, I, here's the reasons why I should love myself. I, I can persevere. I, I can do tough things. 
You know, I mean, it, yes. I, I'm, I'm a type of person who who should have those sort of things. And these are the things that I, I would like about someone else. If someone else was doing these yes. things, I'd be like, oh, man, these this person's awesome. Right. So why couldn't <laughs> I give myself the same level of love and respect that I would give another person that looked exactly like me doing the exact same things? Yes. Mm. Man, so I, good. we just save people a whole lot of money on some therapy, Stephen. Right. Man. <laughs> Therapists are going to hate this episode. Like, why is everyone canceling their therapy? Um, Braille therapy is the best. <laughs> no, no, it really, really is. So what's interesting is you're saying yes to all these people, much like myself, because, you know, say yes, people like you. At some point, though, you didn't give up. I mean, Matt wouldn't have reached out and said, like, this dude is constantly helping other people. He's he's helping people train He's supporting other people in their races through pacing and crewing. At some point, were you able to separate the never saying no because you you want people to like you and the actual joy that you got from helping people? Oh, yes. And that's so you're asking about these moments. That one I know. <laughs> I okay. know I know when that one happened. Yeah. Uh, so my first was it two, I guess my first 200 attempts um, yeah. were pretty much for that. I want the buckle. People think I'm cool, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that doesn't work um, for me anyway, because yeah. I, I found out that once you get deep enough into an ultra like that, anything that, that you have stuffed down that far is is going to come out, right? You, you get so yeah. emotionally raw from being, or maybe I'm, I don't know. No, I'm with minded, you. No. But <laughs> you, you end up in those spots, you know, yeah. those those lows. And I remember the second time I was trying to run 100 miles and, and I was I wasn't I was just over halfway in. Yeah. Nothing wrong with my body at all. But my head did, couldn't take it. Yeah. And I had only signed up for the race because the race director said, hey, you can have an entry. You've helped me put on other races so many times. Here's an entry. You, you'll do the 100. You'll do great. And I was like, sure, I'll get the buckle. It'll be great. And I can remember just getting to that halfway point, just feeling so empty about it and yeah. going, I don't enjoy this. Why am I doing it in the first place? And, and kind of resolving myself to not finish 100. I was like, I don't need a buckle. I don't, I don't care about it anymore. I just want out of this mental state that I'm in. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of going home and reflecting on that the next day, just, man, that – that was for everybody else and I'm just doing it as a show and who cares? Yeah. Um, but then I was able to, so that was a tip number two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a, tip, a, a tip number one, I actually almost made, it. I was like 80 something miles in and just kind of sputtered out and gave up. My feet were blown up. Yeah. But a tip number three, very recently I was able, and that's when Matt, I think posted uh, or, or message or whatever happened was that a tip number three, Man, it was for the joy of it because I I love it. I I still find that joy in running without caring about what anybody else is thinking about me. Got DFL in a hundred, but I got a buckle. Hey, <laughs> DFL, DFL, the most nobody, love I've ever felt. Right, DFL <laughs> is not something to be ashamed of because you just you had to persevere longer than than most people. You had to confront <laughs> being uncomfortable a lot longer than most people. What was the switch, Stephen? Like, like, how did you how did you get through that, and and get yourself into the state where okay, I've been doing this for everybody else. I'm dropping out. I don't care about a buckle. And was there yeah. a moment when 
you finally came to terms with I'm doing this for me because I love it. Was that a quick process or was that something that took a while? It was, it was a, it's it a couple of years really. Um, getting through, well, after this, the second hundred attempt going back and doing, you know, some other races, doing a lot of 50 K's, which I love 50 K's. It's just such a fun distance It is, and doing, you know, some hourly races where mm-hmm. I go 50 miles or a little more. Yeah. And then, going, I, I can go more than this, you know, cause, cause that was the point in the hundred attempt where I was rock bottom and, and everything is bad. Life is horrible, you know? Yeah. So I, I kind of, I guess at the end of those races, it just started growing a little bit more. Like I want it for me, yeah. not, you know, and not even just to have the buckle for it, but just to enjoy it and, and know I can do hard things. Um, and the other, the other thing that Matt was saying is about the, uh, helping other people on FKT attempts. Yeah. Uh, uh, 2021, somehow I got lucky enough to uh, be crew for three different FKT attempts and watch these uh, two guys and a girl do some, you know, crazy big miles in extreme pain and watching what the, the human mind can, can overcome. Yeah. And just seeing uh, almost the same as, as going to Penhody the first time and seeing people finishing 42 watching these people do like 350 or more and it's it's just their brain you know they were they were doing it on sheer will of course there's a lot of nutrition and a lot of you know bandaged feet and whatnot but seeing that the the limit is is pretty much all in your mind i i ran that hundred this past time thank you becky for making me finish because i did have that one low point in the middle. Cause like, ah, yeah. who cares anymore? Yeah. And she's like, you do, you want to do it and you're going to do it today for you. And I just got up and went. So yeah. Thanks Becky. And I think she's supposed to be on, uh, in the next few weeks. <laughs> I, yes, I do. It seems like a small world. It's, it's kind of, it's, it, it was so <laughs> cool because it's hard to know everybody that's, that's got a great story, right? I'd like to, to be able to tell everybody, Hey everybody, guess what? I know everybody who's got an awesome story and I, I just don't. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so many great interviews came up when I posted on Instagram, like, who do you want to hear on the jogger? Like, let me, let me know. Yeah. Um, if you haven't heard who you suggested, they either haven't responded or have, I'm so booked that I just haven't had time to get them in yet. But yeah. And so being able to, to connect with people whose stories I probably wouldn't have known about, if it wasn't for people you know, reaching out and saying, Hey, you need to, you need to talk to this person. And it's so funny because I've never not released an interview that I've done. Never. I've never like, oh. I've never like, Oh, this one's going to go away. Um, but there's been interviews where it's harder to pull things out of people than others. Yeah. But every person <clears throat> who I've had the pleasure of talking to within the last I'm saying for the adventure jogger. I mean, so many people will suggest guests for the adventure jogger more so than my last podcast. Anyone that's been suggested has never been like a, this is rough. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how I'm going to pull an hour out of this person, you know? And so it's, it's been, it's great. Yeah. It's been so fun connecting with the community. And so I'm kind of excited about, about talking to, 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 to Becky. Can you send me some cheat sheet notes on her? Oh, I can send all kinds of dirt. Yeah, please do. Please do. I always <laughs> like to throw them off off guard with a, with a little bit of dirt. But I can imagine that the failure of attempts one and two when it comes to your your hundred mile attempt 
it didn't sting that bad because you're like, I don't even know why I'm in it anyway. But I'm sure the first one did. Did it? Did it really? <laughs> did it sting? Oh yeah, yeah. We had uh, we had it literally stung. We had uh, me and two friends who were crewing me flew out to Salt Lake City to do Salt Flats 100. Yeah. And so you know you you go from Alabama to uh, Utah and run 80 miles from Utah into Nevada. Yeah. And then leave without a buckle. They were not happy with me. That's an expensive <laughs> trip. That's an expensive trip to bring home nothing but blisters. Yeah. And a <laughs> lot of them. <laughs> Maybe you should have picked Pinhoti for the first one. <laughs> it was a lot shorter drive. I still haven't done Pinhoti. Yeah. It's 20 minutes from my house. <laughs> How have you not done it? It's 20 minutes from your house. Um, because of the crewing and pacing everybody else uh, every why. year. Yeah, because you know, Steven's <laughs> always getting asked for for so you probably have run the the you probably run the equivalent of the full Pinhoti course just with other people. Many times over. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And and I think three years in a row I swept a thirty mile section um from from Bald Rock to Porters, you know, in the middle of the night. Oh uh, wow. three years in a row. Because nobody wanted to sweep. <laughs> well, you gotta kind of get. You gotta kind of do it now. I mean, you gotta. You gotta get yeah. that buckle. So someone. Well, add, it's. I'm signed up. <laughs> oh, you are. Are you signed up for this year? Yeah. Okay. Nobody asks Stephen to crew or pace because then he'll, he'll pull out and he'll he'll do that for you. Don't do that. Don't ruin this for Stephen. He's gonna finish Penhody. But all that to say, <laughs> it's happening. It's happening, Stephen. I know it. Um, all that Thanks, to man. say, I am sure that the struggles that you had in your first 100 mile finish even being dead dfl um i'm sure that finish line was an incredibly sweet and rewarding experience for you so much i carried that high for a week yeah (laughs) was it like almost like a weight off your shoulder yes i mean and and it really felt like that the last 14 miles, you know, cause, cause I knew there's, there's nothing that's stopping now. Right. Know? Right. And when I got there, of course I'm dead last. Didn't know I was dead last. I kind of had a suspicion, but wasn't <laughs> sure. Cause it's out and back course. You go 50 out, 50 back. I sat at the halfway point way too long. Um, I did the first half with a friend of mine and she was having too much uh, GI distress to keep going. So finally turned around and came back and I didn't pass too many people that were still on the out. Yeah, I, I probably there were probably six to eight people that I saw. Yeah, and there were a couple more in the aid station. So I thought there's possibly up to ten people behind me. Right. But the, through the night, I kind of figured, yeah, I don't think there's that many people out here. It was raining. <laughs> and, ah. and, but and when the aid station employees were like, "I think he's out." Hey, can we? Are you, are you ready to leave? Because we got to wrap this up. We got to put the tents away. <laughs> I did stay ahead of cutoff by a good bit, so I felt like there could still be some people back there. Because at, at a lot of the time through the night i was two hours in front of cutoff and i knew yeah. there were people behind me um but every time i would ask anyone at a station like, oh no there's plenty of people back there. Plenty of people back there. <laughs> liars liars all of them all, all, they're all liars <laughs> <laughs> but even finishing dead dead last yeah it had to have just been after those first two tries the first one stung the second one did not but to know now that you had finally found your why yeah. You knew you knew why you wanted to do this, yeah. and it was for the right reason. You didn't want to do this for anyone else. This wasn't for 
I want people to think I'm cool or whatever. You are doing this because you wanted to see if you could do hard things and you really enjoyed being in the woods with the community. Exactly. Beautiful. Exactly. That's something you can hang on to for the rest of your life. Ah, love it. I love it. So, (laughs) but still... I love how you haven't had a chance to do Pinhoti yet, which is 20 minutes from your house. You're doing it this year because <laughs> you, sure. you've been, you've been dragged into so many crews for so many people <laughs> compare your first time crewing and pacing someone to Vic to, to the finish line. What did that do to you as a, as a runner? That may have been more fun than finishing a race, you know? Yeah. A good friend of mine, and uh, and it was his first 100 finish, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, and and he's the same. He's, he's part of the, the crew that runs on the Pinhoti all the time. Yeah. So it was a huge deal for him to finish that race. He's been around it since its inception. So it was, it was just beautiful. We had a great night. And it was the full moon year. We had the bright moonlight, mm-hmm. I think 2017, 2016, and just just watching him hurt, you know, because his feet were destroyed, and just just watching his attitude stay positive. Yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's not describable. <laughs> but that's probably enough fuel. Like it's almost like. <clears throat> Before someone were to attempt it on their own, it's almost like you need to go. You need to go help someone do it first. Yes, because there's like it's. I don't know what it is, but I look back at my memories of ultra running, and I look more fondly back at the races that I wasn't a participant in, but I was a crew or a or just a crew member or a pacer in. Like I have so many yes better better memories maybe it's because you're not exhausted like like you're not having to process all 100 miles you're just processing you know showing up every couple hours to give this person some new water bottles and then you're processing 20 or 30 miles whatever your section is yeah it's it it is and i god if you haven't done it folks if you're listening to this podcast and you've not crewed and paced a friend to you know to the finish line something you need to put on your bucket list of things to do yep you got to give back did you I remember pacing a friend at cruel jewel one year through the night mm-hmm. you know the, the the second night yeah yeah <laughs> and it oof, that one is probably one of the funnest it was hard she had an awful time mm-hmm. you know and we were talking about the, the nutrition side yeah. i had a backpack loaded with spring and she couldn't keep anything else down but she ate all the spring i had on me <laughs> Which I, I don't think I had anything to eat all night, you know, from like sundown to the middle of the morning the next day. And it didn't matter, you know, because you're just riding the high of, of seeing them accomplish something crazy. And they just ate $400 worth of spring energy. Out of no your back. kidding. Back then it wasn't as expensive, but yes. And, and she's been hooked on it ever since. She owes you. She owes you a backpack full of spring. <laughs> Someday I'll probably mooch that much back by now. <laughs> no, and let me tell you something about Cruel Jewel, Stephen. If you are ever invited to crew and pace Cruel Jewel, never 
just sit around and wait for other people to volunteer for sections and then you get stuck pacing the last section of cruel jewel skiing it to the finish oh god you didn't know <laughs> that is not like don't like hurry up and say oh no no i'm gonna do turn around back i'm just gonna do 12 miles like never ever ever agree mm. to skiing it to the finish that is the yeah. worst pacing section because your runner is trashed there's no yes. switchbacks it's like everything's up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. It's miserable. <laughs> like when you're when you're sitting there the night before the race and, the, and the whoever's in charge of the crew is going, okay, we're, we're, what do you want to pace here, 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 here? And you go, oh, I got this section. Because if you get stuck with skiing into the finish, you're screwed. <laughs> and I was. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stephen, I'm going to let you leave with this. Some words of wisdom. Words of wisdom from Stephen Bagley. What words of wisdom would you have for new runners in the sport as someone who's experienced it from their own finish lines to helping people through the finish line or to the finish line? What are words of wisdom that you would give to new runners in the sport? Hmm. I don't feel like I have any wisdom. I know that... It helps to take it out slow, right? Mm -hmm. Go slower than you think you're going to need to. You you can go farther than you think you can. It's not as bad as it seems.